Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Because I believe tonight that God has a word for you tonight. You need to understand that right now I am on an assignment to train up soldiers in the body of Christ. God has spoken to me very clearly about this. Isaiah, I'm raising up an army. I'm not asking your advice about this, y'all. I'm not asking your opinion about this. I'm not saying, well, do you guys think I should preach on spiritual warfare? I know many pastors are probably saying Isaiah is just talking too much about spiritual warfare, which really doesn't exist. No army in the world has ever said, let's not talk about warfare so much but i'm telling you guys god has me i need you to know this and this is very significant and important that god has me on an assignment to raise up an army so many of us are living our lives off the opinion and advice from people that are not spiritual and we're listening to people that are not soldiers and not engaged in battle as we preach on spiritual warfare whether we're talking about exposing satan's kingdom whether we're talking about driving out stubborn demons whether we're talking about generational curses whether we're talking about all these different things we've been teaching on how to cast out a demon how to do spiritual warfare guys understand people are going to come against you that are not spiritual people are going to come against you that don't understand that don't have eyes to see that don't have ears to hear so please don't be shocked when people start thinking you're crazy the first time they ever accused Jesus of being of the devil was when he preached on spiritual warfare when he talked about driving out demons so don't think if they accuse Jesus they're not going to accuse you understand that demons and religion Religious people don't want us to talk about this. They don't like us to share the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of darkness and how to break and defeat the kingdom of darkness. But you have to understand we're not going to stop. Some of you, Isaiah, would you just stop preaching all that spiritual warfare? I'm telling you, you can't stop me because you didn't call me. You didn't anoint me. So many people ask me, how do you get on stage and preach repentance and revival and holiness to all these people and go into churches and preach on being lukewarm? Where do you get the boldness and the passion and the desire? I'll tell you where I get it from God. I was not called by a pastor. Come on, somebody needs to help me preach tonight. I was not anointed by a preacher or a Bible college or a denomination. As Paul said, I've been anointed and I've been called by God. God has anointed me and raised me up for such a time as this. And so understand when God anoints you, you don't need the opinions of men. Acts 4.13. They were unskilled and they were uneducated, yet the Pharisees marveled. The educated religious pastors and leaders marveled because they recognized, I felt the Holy Ghost, come on, somebody help me by running in this place. They recognized that they had been with Jesus, the prerequisite to preaching, teaching, driving out devils, healing the sick, and being a revivalist is time spent in the presence of God. So you have to know that I am on an assignment. I'm not just randomly coming up with stuff I'm not sitting around saying well what should I preach this week the Lord has called me and the Lord has put me on a specific assignment for such a time as this to raise up spiritual warriors stop letting people that did not call you stop you from the anointing and the assignment that God has given you why are you letting the boyfriend that never called you the boyfriend you heard the voice of God it wasn't your boyfriend that delivered you it wasn't your boyfriend that saved you that's why when David's wife said David you shouldn't be dancing like that you shouldn't be shouting and all excited David said it wasn't your father Saul that anointed me it wasn't your father Saul that rescued me it was the Lord the spirit of the Lord and so understand that you have to stop letting the opinions of a boyfriend of a girlfriend of parents of your friends stop the move of God in your life believe me 
the devil will use anyone that he can to get you to shrink back from the mandate and the message of deliverance and the message of spiritual warfare. So don't be all shocked when you're like, why is everyone stopping me from sharing and doing deliverance and preaching on spiritual warfare and talking about curses and strongholds and principalities and the second heaven and the Satan's kingdom? Why is everybody resisting me? Because you have to understand they don't, they're not going to get it. Stop letting people that did not anoint you stop you from doing what God has anointed you to do. You're never going to be an effective soldier or warrior in the kingdom of God if you keep worrying about what everybody else thinks. When I started preaching and sharing and doing this, I had to get delivered from what people thought about me, from what pastors thought about me, from what denominations thought about me, from what people thought about me. I'm not talking about rebellion. I'm submitted under several pastors. I'm accountable like no one's business. I'm talking about understanding that people are going to try to stop you and you have to get delivered from their opinion. Understand that tonight we are exposing and we've been exposing. I said I was doing it once a month, but God just has me doing this every week. We are exposing Satan's greatest secrets and mysteries. Of course, the enemy is going to be mad. The devil is frustrated by us teaching this. The demons are running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to stop us from doing this. We are blocking their communication in the second heaven. We are tearing down strongholds. We're causing confusion and Satan's headquarters. Come on, you think the devil's excited about you learning that you can loose angels, which the Bible calls God's ministering spirits? You think the devil's excited that you're learning how to drive out demons? You think the devil's happy that you're learning how to break demonic curses? You think the devil's happy that you're learning where his headquarters are located and how to engage in spiritual warfare? You think the devil is happy that we're preaching how to overcome temptation and walk in holiness? You better believe that the devil is angry about what we're preaching were causing confusion in his camp. I've had on more than one occasion demons tell me, I hate what you're doing. Stop doing what you are doing. The devil hates this. The devil has hidden these revelations for hundreds of years. He's hidden these mysteries from the church, but I believe God is opening up the eyes of the church and God is revealing them so we can advance his kingdom for real. I need you to understand that witches and warlocks, they want to get out from the Satan, Satan's kingdom witches and warlocks they want to receive deliverance they want to receive breakthrough they want to receive freedom and the question has to be that if witches and warlocks came into the average church your church wouldn't know what to do with them i mean imagine actually what we pray for happens imagine witches start getting saved imagine warlocks start getting saved imagine they start getting delivered your church doesn't even do deliverance doesn't even do spiritual warfare and you're telling me witches and warlocks are going to be able to get free in your church the church is unprepared with how to to deal with the people that God wants to bring in. Knowing all that they know about the spiritual realm and the little that we know, we need to get prepared and begin to get trained up so that when the witches and the warlocks and all the Satanism from Hollywood begins to flood in the church in the name of Jesus, come on, somebody help me preach up in here, then the church is going to be prepared. But what would happen if a witch or a warlock came into our churches? We would have no, we have no clue what to do with them. They'd start talking about astral projecting sacrifices curses and we wouldn't know what to do because we're not preaching or teaching on the spiritual realm and let me say this if you don't begin to teach your kids on the spiritual realm Disney will do it for you if you don't begin to teach your kids on the spiritual realm the YouTube and the iPad will teach them about magic and so we need to train up not just our kids but our churches on the spiritual realm on spiritual warfare 
This is essential for what God is doing right now in the church. We need soldiers that are desperate for this. I'm not going to apologize for preaching on this. I've preached estimated over 1,500 times, okay? I've preached over 1,500 times in the last 10 years, and 10 to 15 of those were on the demonic realm. So think about this, 1,500 sermons, 10 to 15 of those are on the demonic. And so you need to just enjoy this while you got it. You need to enjoy the preaching while you have it before I go on and do whatever God's called me to my next assignment to preach on. Just get glad that somebody is doing the dirty work, that somebody's preaching on this. I would love to tell you about your best life now, but the problem is so many people are in the church bound and Satan is running around with free reign and he's being unchallenged. I've said this before, that Satan is unchallenged in the church. And some of you have had years and years and years of wrong teaching and God says it's time to undo it. You need to ask God tonight before we even start. Yes, we're in the intro of breaking curses tonight. You need to ask God to begin to unteach you and begin to untrain you and delete everything you think you know because we need to learn proper doctrine and learn proper teaching. Some of you say, well, Isaiah, as I'm, as I'm sharing, I'm warning you and I'm preparing you tonight because I already know you're going to say, I've never heard of that. How is that possible? I thought we were under this. I thought we were under that. Some of you need to understand that you've been taught wrong. Some of you need to understand that that's the problem is that you've never heard any of this. Like I've never heard about witches. I've never heard about warlocks. I've never heard about witchcraft curses. I've never heard about generational curses. And that's the problem is you've never heard about any of it because we're not teaching and preaching it. As pastors and leaders, it is our job to preach and teach on warfare and to train up our congregation, which are soldiers in the army of God. Now you can choose to be, this is something God has been speaking to me and I'm gonna give you verses. You can choose to be a regular soldier or you can be a special forces for God's kingdom. People always preach, well, everybody's equal in the kingdom of God. Everyone has the same authority and the same rank. First of all, there's never been in the human history an army where everybody was the same rank and everybody had the same authority. If you look at the angels and God's economy and kingdom never everybody's a different rank there's different ascending angels you talk about gabriel and michael are prince angels they have angels under their command and so there is rankings just like there's rankings in there there's rankings in the kingdom of god and we have to choose do we want to be regular sunday morning soldiers or do we want to be daily special forces for the kingdom of god I made a decision long time ago that I wanted to be special forces for the kingdom of God. Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.20 that there are wooden vessels and that there are golden vessels. In other words, there's regular soldiers and there's special special soldiers for special uses. Paul says if you want to be a regular vessel for normal cases, then you can be regular as I'm already losing my voice. He said, but if you want to be a golden vessel for special uses, there is a level of consecration that you need to walk in. So you have to get trained up. I'm on an assignment until God says to change it. Now, I want you to understand that regular boot camp across all the different divisions of the military, regular boot camp is two to three months of training. That's a regular boot camp across all the different levels of military. Navy, that's regular. Navy SEAL training is 24 weeks of basic underwater demolition training, 28 weeks of a qualification training program, and then after the 24 weeks, then after the 28 weeks, only 1% of everyone that's done that will actually will graduate Navy SEAL training, and only 1% will actually, not even 1% will actually become a SEAL. So after all that training, 1% are able to be qualified, and not all of them will even get it. So you have to understand they're the training now I was reading this today the training for the first deployment of a Navy SEAL listen to me loud and clear tonight and share this right now everybody share the basic 
training for a for one mission one the one first deployment could take as much as 30 months they train and study and prepare for 30 months to go on their first deployment and less than one percent are even going to finish the training and you want to be special forces for the kingdom of god with your little church for an hour once a week and only getting taught spiritual warfare at some conference once a week go into a church that doesn't even preach on deliverance and doesn't even preach on warfare i personally i'm not telling you to leave your church i would never go to a church that from the pulpit is not preaching on spiritual warfare is not having corporate prayer and going to spiritual war and spiritual battle i would not be in a church that's not preaching it because salvation means deliverance the gospel's not full if we don't preach the full gospel so you have to understand that there is special training so get out of get out of here with this oh once a year i'm gonna learn or we're gonna preach about it once a month or once a year or every couple years and we're just gonna to go to church on Sunday. Meanwhile, the Navy SEALs are going through six months, eight months, and then 30 months of training just to go on one mission. And we are in delusion. I'm preaching tonight to somebody give me a one if this is good stuff we are in delusion in the body of christ if we think we are going to overcome a spiritual enemy a kingdom that's been established against us with our mamsy pamsy 20 minute once a year 30 minute sermons about deliverance and giving a couple verses about how jesus drove out demons but never going into the depths of training people up for battle i'm so convinced about this i'm so convicted about this that we need to begin to get trained up for spiritual warfare salvation and del is deliverance and we need to shout this from the mountaintop you need to understand when we're talking about curses is that curses are biblical in fact curses in one form or another are found 230 times over 230 times in the bible six different words in hebrew and three in greek are translated in the word into the word curse so that's nine words from the original language that translate into the word curse and the bible has a lot to say about curses we're going to use a lot of old testament tonight because there's a lot of specific curses in the old testament but i want you to understand this is also a new testament principle we need to stop with this teaching of just throwing away the old testament and understand that we still have principles the bible says that we can take from the old testament now one of the evidences that you are under a curse is when there is an absence of the blessing of god in your life you can think of now as we start sharing this you can think of blessings and curses and i know you're like slow down I, i'm writing this down take your notepad out praise the lord i'll tell you what you need to write down you can go watch this later rewatch the replay or go on youtube I, I apologize i know i talk fast but you have to think of curses and blessings in a similar fashion curses come I want you to write this down when you disobey God and blessings come when you obey God now here's what you need to know about cursings and blessings you are either blessed or you are cursed there is no in-between so you're e either living a life of blessing or a life of curse remember there's no neutrality in the kingdom of God Jesus said you're either for me or you are against me but there is no middle ground come on share this we're at 800 people there's no middle ground in the kingdom of god you're either blessed or you are cursed you cannot be in between people are trying to ride the fence well let me tell you about the fence the devil owns the fence people are trying to ride the gray area the devil owns the gray area god is not a man that is mocked and god is not a god of confusion you are either one or the other 
You're either all the way in or you are all the way out. That's why I tell people there's no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. If you're lukewarm, you are not a believer. Jesus said, if you're not actively working for me, then you are actively working against me. So some of you might say, well, I'm not really working for God and I'm not really working for the enemy. Listen, if you're not working for God, you are working for the enemy. The Bible says you make yourself an enemy to God. So you ought to know there's no middle ground. You're either blessed or, you think, or you're cursed. Now, I know a lot of you, God has showed me this and God has revealed to me a lot of you have never heard about curses. In fact, I knew little about it until God started revealing. I started studying. I started reading books. I started praying. I started opening scriptures. I started Googling all the instances of, of the Bible where curses are found. I started going through all the accounts and really diving into what curses are. I want you to think of curses as contracts in which demons are assigned to fulfill. Okay, so curses are contracts and demons are assigned to fulfill the contract. If there is a curse of poverty on you, there will be demons assigned to the curse to fulfill fulfill the curse of poverty. If there's a curse of murder on you, there will be demons like anger and rage and destruction that will be assigned to fulfill that curse. So understand that demons enforce curses. Demons are the enforcers of the curse. So if you're cursed, curses are open doors and also legal rights for demons to demonize you, for demons to impact your life and work in your life in some form or some fashion. And I want you to remember this. Jesus never cast demons off of people. He only cast demons out of people. Spirits are able to get on the inside of us. How many people know that I can't just reach my hand down your throat and pull a demon out of you, yet the Holy Spirit is able to go in there and bring deliverance. Angel spirits, ministering spirits. The Bible says that the angels are God's ministering spirits. So angels are God's spirits. Demons are the devil's spirits. And those ministering angels are able to go in there and begin to make war on our behalf. I've had many deliverances where the demons say, stop these angels from fighting me. Well, how many know if the demons are on the inside and the angels are fighting the demons, then the angels are able to go on the inside. That's the thing about spirits you have to understand. And by the way, I'm just going to give you a little taste here. I'm going to be doing a teaching very soon on binding and loosing. God is giving me revelation on loosing godly spirits. We're not going to talk about the tonight. That's just a little preview of what we're going to be talking about. So understand, and we need to understand that curses are contracts that demons enforce. And we need to thank God that Christ has made provision for us to break the curse and for us to move from curses to blessing. At the end of this, we are going to apply the blood of Jesus. We are going to pray prayers and we are going to get delivered from the curses. Okay. Now, very, very important. Galatians three is going to talk to us about Christ setting us free from the curse of the law. Now, I want you to understand this. Some people wrote me and said, well, I don't want to hear your preaching because the Bible says in Galatians 3, we've been set free from the curse. Understand explicitly, it says that we've been set free from the curse of the law. Later on, I'll talk to you about the curse of the law. There's also the curse of sin, but I'm going to give you about 40 other curses the Bible talks about that are not the curse of the law and they're not the curse of sin. So Jesus did break the curse of sin, thank God, okay? And he broke the curse of the law, thank you Jesus, which Galatians 3 talks about, but there's many other curses that the Bible talks about that even today believers are going to walk in. And you have to understand when we're talking about the Old Testament, you say, well, I don't go into law, I'm all New Testament, you're wrong. Jesus did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, he said, and he actually brought in the law and made it not just physical, but spiritual. Remember he said, the law says don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't be angry, but I say, 
Do not look at a woman for you've already committed adultery. So Jesus said, the law said, don't be angry or don't do this. But here's what I say. So Jesus was broadening the scope of the law. He was actually expanding the law. And by by no other means but grace are we able to fulfill the law. We're able to come out of the curse of the law. And we're going to go into that later. Thank God. Come on, share this, that we are not under the curse of the law because none of us in the chat, there's 900 of you watching. None of us can fulfill the law. None of us, not me, not you, not the most praying holy person could fulfill the law and so Jesus broke the curse of the law and I'm going to prove that I'm going to show that later so that's what you need to understand now so many of us talk about generational blessings but one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is generational curses in Exodus 43 7 the Bible says that God will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children up to the third and the fourth or unto the third and fourth generation we saw this with the Israelites they saw many curses being passed down they came up with a proverb now in Ezekiel 18 2 there's a proverb that the children of Israel used to say and Ezekiel's talking about the proverb that they used to say and here was the proverb sour grapes eaten by the parents leave a sour taste in the mouths of their children the children of Israel understand we're walking around saying this proverb because they understood generational curses they understood that the parents would eat sour grapes and the children would have to pay the price of their parents actions they understood generational curses even secular people now I need you to turn me up here even secular people understand generational curses here's what blows my mind the body of Christ is living in denial saying there's no such thing as generational curses yet the world has recognized generational curses what does the world always say they say oh that must run in your family oh cancer must run in your family oh diabetes must run in your family oh adultery must run in your family oh lust must run in your family and they go on and on and on these aren't even believers and you guys come up and you're like oh we can't have generational curses meanwhile you live your life addicted you live your life bound you live your life sick and you are in denial that there are generational curses that have come down from your bloodline okay we're gonna talk about that here I have an entire category tonight and listen all right, we're just going to go for it. I'm not going to say anything about it. We have an entire category on generational curses, but your prayer tonight needs to be the curse ran in my family until it ran into me. It kept running and then I broke it. I came to prophesy over somebody that you are the curse breaker. Somebody needs to speak that over themselves tonight. You are the one that's going to set your family bloodline free. You have the keys to breaking every curse off your bloodline by the power of the spirit, by the shed blood of Jesus there is power tonight to break out of every spell let me just prophesy here for a second every spell every hex every assignment of the enemy is being broken tonight that there is freedom oh somebody needs to receive this tonight before I do a backflip there is freedom and there is deliverance by the blood of Jesus somebody needs to be grateful that Jesus became the curse to break the curse yes we're going to talk about different curses and all these different things but you need to remind yourself the entire time that there has been bloodshed so that you can break the curse you've been anointed come on somebody say it in the chat you've been anointed and called to be the curse breaker to be the bloodline redeemer to break every generational curse and assignment it's time to come out of denial and to come into deliverance you'll never have deliverance if you live in denial you'll never have deliverance if you live in pride and arrogance you need to put your 
hands up tonight and say, Lord, if I need deliverance, deliver me. If I need freedom, set me free. If I'm blind, then open up my eyes. If I'm deaf, then open up my ears. I wonder if there's any curse breakers in this place tonight. I wonder if there's anybody that says, Lord, break it off my bloodline. Break it off my kids. Break it off of my marriage. Break it off my generational line. I want to talk tonight about five types of curses. Okay, you can write all these different ones down, and then you can go re-listen re to it and, and fill in the blanks. Okay, don't make me start going crazy and preaching, yelling, running around, because I'll never get through this, and we'll be here till 10 in the morning, and I got a flight early in the morning. I got a pack tonight for a flight. I'm going to Arizona. I'll be preaching there Saturday night at the Doorkeepers Conference. So here's the first one I want you to write down is generational curses. Now, please, 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 please. Don't write me off. Don't say, well, I'm a believer. There's no such thing. Please listen to what I'm trying to tell you and understand that if a Christian could have a demon, which they can, I've done hundreds of deliverances on believers, pastors, leaders. I've spent entire weekends delivering only pastors of churches, okay? So understand if they can have a demon and demons are demonic, they could also have curses. One example we mentioned was in Exodus 34 where God says the third and the fourth generation, although demons or generational curses are not limited, I want you to hear this, are not limited limited to the third and the fourth generation. I've dealt with people that have demons or generational curses and demons working for those curses all the way up. For me personally, this is me personally, not a book I read. I've dealt with generational curses from eight generations back personally, okay? I've dealt with some with two or three generations, but it's not limited to a certain amount of time. It could continue until it is broken by somebody and comes off of the bloodline. So generational curses are able to continue until they come off the bloodline. Now, I've seen families, some, some get the curse, some don't get the curse. I don't know what determines if the curse gets passed down. I don't know if it's like the firstborn, the onlyborn, the male. I don't know how it all works. And remember, everything we preach is in part, we prophesy part we preach in part we don't know the full picture and we'll never know the full picture but understand that it's not limited to only two to three generations um deuteronomy 30 19 says i've set before you life and death now i want you to pay attention here is what the lord is saying i've set before you life and death blessings and cursings therefore choose life now this is about generational curses most people never saw this verse that both you and your seed shall live so here's what deuteronomy is saying God says, I've set blessings before you and I've set curses before you. And the Lord says, I want you to choose blessings so that your seed is not cursed and it, it shall live. So oftentimes we overlook this. Here's what God is saying. And I'm going to keep proving my first point. Here's what God's saying. God says, I've laid two things before you. Now there's not three things. Some of you are like, well, I'm not blessed, but I'm also not cursed. Listen, if you're not blessed, you're cursed. If you're not cursed, you're blessed. Understand the Lord says, I've only laid out two things. I've laid out blessings and I've laid out curses and he says and I want you to choose blessings so that your seed or translation and this is in Deuteronomy 30 19 that your children shall live so the blessing or the uh, curse chosen is not for your sake but for the sake of your children sometimes you need to just fight for your children sometimes if you don't feel like fighting sometimes if you don't feel like praising or worshiping you need to say you know what I don't feel like praising. I don't feel like shouting. I don't feel like worshiping, but I'm going to do this one for my kids. If you don't have motivation to pray, let your kids be your motivation. If you don't have motivation to fast, let your kids be your motivation. If you don't have motivation to live and or write or go to church or live pure, I want you to look at ki your kids and do it for them. Oftentimes the prophet would get before the people when the people wanted to give up and quit. And they would say, if you give up now, what will happen to your children? What will happen to the next generation if we give up now so understand 
that not only are curses passed down through the bloodline, but blessings are passed down. This is a perfect revelation that blessings get passed through our bloodline. So when you choose to live right, you're passing down blessings to your kids. You may not have material wealth. Come on, somebody needs to hear me. This is good preaching tonight. I'm having a hard time standing still. You may not have material wealth, but you can leave a spiritual blessing. I want you to ask yourself tonight, what will I pass down? Come on, everybody hit share real quick here. What will I pass down to my kids? Am I going to pass down generational blessings or generational curses? Let's just say four generations back. Okay, so Exodus 34 talks about four generations. And for the sake of time, let's just pretend that generational curses are stuck at four generations. So that means this, if we go backwards, now I'm not a mathematician here. It did take me a little bit of time to to get this, to you know figure this all out, but here we go. Let's go backwards four generations. So that means you have two parents, you have four grandparents, you have eight great-grandparents, and you have 16 great-great-great-grandparents. That's four generations, okay? Two parents, four grandparents, eight great-grandparents, 16 great-great-great-great-grandparents. So that is a total of how many? 30 ancestors from which curses could have come from. That's 30 people that you could have got a curse from if curses are truly generational the way the Bible says. Now, here's what you're all about to ask me. Here's what everyone's going to freak out about, and I'm going to answer it because I already know what you're thinking. Isaiah Saldivar, here's my question for you tonight. How in the world would anyone have accurate knowledge of what curses are going to be there from that far back? Like, how could I know what my great-great-great-grandfather did? There's no possible way. How would I know this? How could I break it if I don't know? Here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. I'm going to keep saying that throughout this broadcast. Here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit will reveal the cause of ancestral curses by supernatural words of knowledge. How did Isaiah get delivered? I got delivered from a generational curse one night, and I'm going to tell you how it happened. It did not happen by me looking at my bloodline. It didn't happen by me looking at uh, mom, my mom, or my dad, or this or that. It happened in prayer. One night, I was in my room, and I was praying, and I was praying, and I was praying, and the Holy Spirit brought a word of knowledge, whispered in my ear, and said, Isaiah, you have a generational curse curse of this and you need to break it tonight. And so I was freshly saved. I was full of the Holy Ghost. I was praying in tongues and the curse didn't even apply to my life. And I said, what? I don't have that curse. Okay, whatever. If that's what the Holy Spirit's saying. And so I called a friend of mine who's, I think maybe in the chat here tonight. I said, I need you to come pray and break this generational curse off me. And he came over at midnight and I got delivered and the curse actually spoke out of me. Now, I don't know whether it was the curse speaking or the demon speaking and forcing the curse. It doesn't matter. I got the curse broken through a word of knowledge. So don't walk around freaking out saying, oh my gosh, how do I know all the curses? Just understand the Holy Spirit spirit will reveal what generational curses are there and what need to be broken. I dealt with a girl, some of you heard the story, that was 12 years old that had the generational curse of murder from seven generations back. And at the end of the deliverance, she said, I have constant thoughts of grabbing the wheel while my mom drives and killing people. I have constant thoughts of stabbing family members. Nobody knew this, but she had a generational curse of murder she needed to get delivered from, okay? Another way that you can tell what generational curses are there is by looking at the effects of the curse. One major way that we tell if we're under a curse, man, this is good. I wish somebody would share this and take notes here. One of the ways that we find out if we're under a curse is we look at the symptoms of the curse. How do doctors tell about something they can't see? You go to the doctor and say, doctor, I'm having chest pain. How in the world is the doctor going to look into your chest immediately and say, oh, this is what you have? The way that they could know is by looking at the symptoms. Do I have any nurses? I know I got some of you in here because I see you in the chat and I know you and you're a nurse. 
nurse or doctors. I know there's some doctors in here. How do you know? You look at the symptoms and then you identify the problem. So we have a teaching where we go over 60 symptoms of having a demon. We go over all these symptoms so that you can know whether you have a demon or not. That's all up on my YouTube channel on my, uh, my how to cast out demons video. But I want to show you this and this is so important. This is so good that in Deuteronomy 28, they're showing there shows us common symptoms of curses so thank god that in deuteronomy which is 28 is the chapter of blessings and curses thank god that in deuteronomy it's going to show us the symptoms of a curse or the effects of the curse so here's what we're able to do we're able to say oh you're vomiting oh you have this oh you have stomach pains you have kidney pains you probably have this that's how doctors do it you probably have kidney stones you probably have a cold you probably have a fever okay do you have this yeah you look at the symptoms and then you diagnose the problem well this is not a new principle because in Deuteronomy 28, they show us the symptoms. And so if we start comparing them to that, those symptoms, we can know, oh man, all of a sudden I know that there are curses in my life because I could look at the Deuteronomy 28, the symptoms, okay? And you can go read that in later in full, full detail. I'm going to paraphrase the symptoms for the sake of time. There's been, these have been in many books, many articles, because there's, it's, it's a Bible chapter, so there's no other way to translate it. I'm going to give you symptoms. Now, some of you might say, Isaiah, I thought Christians can't have generational curses. Here's all I'm going to say. I can do an hour long on talking about Christians and how they can have generational curses, but here's all I'm going to say about it, okay? Here we go. I hope you're ready. Open up your ears. Everything that I've taught you about Christians having demons applies to Christians having generational curses. Type one if that makes sense to you. So if you can have a demon, you can also have a curse because demons and curses are equally demonic. So some of you are like, well, I believe Christians could have demons, but I don't believe they could have curses. Wrong. Curses and demons are equally demonic and Christians can have them both. And not only can they, I've done deliverance. I've seen this. And as I've said before, the person with experience is not at the person, a mercy of a person with an argument. So I'm going to give you nine. Don't You don't need to write these down. I'm going to give you nine. According to Deuteronomy 28, I'm going to give you nine symptoms that you are under a curse. So Deuteronomy 28 is going to break down what it's like to be under a curse. And it's going to show us specifically what it's like to be under a curse. Okay, so we're going to go nine of them. You don't need to write these down. Let me just go quick here. Number one, these are all paraphrased. I'm putting them together. They're all in Deuteronomy 28 in, in greater detail. Number one is poverty or perpetual financial insufficiency. So this is poverty. This is financial. Oftentimes you see people, no matter how hard they try financially, they can never get ahead. The enemies of God would come in the Bible and steal the seed, no matter how much they planted, no matter how much they sowed or how much they made they would never have finances this was a curse that would come upon the people according to Deuteronomy 28 poverty is a curse um there's one chapter where the bible talks about the people did not make god a priority and god says because you've not and this is in Haggai he says because you've not made me a priority you're going to put money in pockets that have holes in other words if god's not your priority you'll never prosper or be blessed think about this this uh, analogy he's giving us in the book of Haggai he says this if you put money in your pockets doesn't matter how much money how many of there's holes in your pockets you could put a hundred thousand dollars worth of silver and gold in your pockets but if there's holes in your pockets you'll never get ahead so you have to understand that it doesn't matter how much you try now 
There's some of you that right now you're immediately realizing you've been under a poverty curse. And I could go into many different names in the Bible about this, but I'm just going to give it to you that way. And you say, Isaiah, I work hard. I make money, but no matter what I do, I never have money in the bank. This is because it's supernatural. It is a spirit of poverty. It feels like every time, come on, can I get a one? Am I preaching? Am I preaching to anybody? Is there anybody in here listening? Oftentimes you'll work and work and work over time. You'll have $10,000 in the bank and you go, honey we're i'm so glad we are able to save ten thousand let's save for a down payment on the house and the moment you do that what happens the air condition breaks out and then all of a sudden you call they come and look at it, they say oh man you're not going to believe this it's going to be nine thousand eight hundred dollars to be able to fix your ac unit and it's middle of summer you got three little kids you have to fix the ac and boom your savings is gone you save up another ten thousand dollars the moment you save up all of a sudden your transmission goes out that's going to be another eight thousand dollars and there's this a uh, constant perpetual financial ins- insufficiency this is spiritual. No matter what you do, I feel the Holy Ghost, no matter what you do, you can't break out of this. I'm grateful tonight that we're breaking these at the end. We're breaking these curses in Jesus' name. You're not going to walk out here the same. Okay, that's number one. Number two is barrenness and impotency together with miscarriage and female complications. This is all, I'm not going to keep saying it, in Deuteronomy 28. This is a major curse in the Bible. And I want to say something clear. I'm not saying... Let me say this again. I'm not saying that if you've had a miscarriage or you've had an abortion or you've lost a baby or you have female problems or you're barren that you're under a curse. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that there's a possibility there is a curse on you or on your womb. And so I've dealt with many people in deliverance and I'm going to give you my experience. This is my experience. I've dealt with many people in deliverance that the demon said that there was a curse on their womb. And until God started giving me some of this revelation, I didn't really understand what that meant i just knew that we were going to break the curse and the demon would leave but now i'm understanding that the barrenness was actually a biblical curse and so if you're having trouble getting pregnant if you're having constant miscarriages or female complications i'm being sensitive here i'm not saying you are but i'm letting you know that according to the bible that is a sign of the curse and tonight we are going to break the curse and people that were not able to conceive in jesus name come on we just broke 900 let's break a thousand are going to be delivered and free tonight okay number three is failure and then under that i have plans and projects meet with disaster failure the bible talks about failure no matter how hard you try it feels like everything you do fails. No matter what you try to do, if you try to build something, if you try to get a degree, if you try to get a job, no matter what you do, there is a looming and an overwhelming failure on your life and you never could get ahead. You're always at the point of getting that job. You're always right there. You're one point away from passing the test. These are failures that the Bible talks about come when you have a curse on you. The curse of failure is a real curse and we're going to break it tonight. If you've been dealing with constant failure, number three, that is a sign of the curse number four is untimely and unnatural deaths these are freak accidents how many people know type one because i could go ahead and type one for myself there's many people that we know that in their family there's unnatural deaths so and so got bucked off a horse and broke their neck so and so got in a freak car accident so and so died um hang gliding so and so died skydiving someone died they were you know riding their bike down the street had full gear on and, and a car barely hit them and they died these are freak accidents unnatural 
natural death. These are in the Bible. These are Deuteronomy 28. This is a sign of a curse. If there is a family that's having constant, untimely, unnatural, premature death, that is a sign of the curse. I, I'm telling you guys, as I'm sharing this, I just feel the Holy Ghost all over this teaching. I feel the Holy Ghost all over this preaching because I, I'm, I'm the reason why I'm feeling the Holy Ghost because I know the Holy Spirit setting people free. Even as I'm sharing this, I prophesy that people are going to get set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're 40 minutes in, okay? And we're, we're barely getting started. We're still on, we're okay. We're, we're just gonna go for it. Okay, we're still on generational curses. All right, number five, sickness and diseases, especially chronic and hereditary diseases. Sickness and diseases, Deuteronomy 28, keep telling you over and over again. So these are sickness and diseases, diabetes running in the family, high blood pressure, cancer running in the family, um, anxiety. These are different things and that doctors have prescribed or diagnosed you with um, leg problems, hip problems, back problems, scoliosis. Well, my whole family has scoliosis. Well, my whole family has cancer. Well, my mom's side has diabetes. Well, everybody runs and it's genetic. It's not genetic. In fact, I was reading a study years ago and they were saying that they now believe in your generational, in your bloodline, this is what the scientists were saying, that in your DNA, this is what scientists said, in your DNA, they said there's something that comes on top of your DNA, whether it's cancer, whether it's diabetes, which makes things run in the family. How many know what scientists were saying was there's generational curses that come on the DNA and curse the people of God? Okay, this is all in Deuteronomy. Um, that's number five, sickness and disease. Number six, according to Deuteronomy 28, is life traumas going from crisis to crisis to crisis. Now we all have life traumas. That is not what I'm saying. If you have a life trauma, that's not what I'm saying. This is a curse where you go from life trauma to life trauma. Now, as I'm saying this, the reason why many of you are going, this is so real and this is makes so much sense is because you never understood why certain families, certain people had to deal with these things. Thank God that at the end, by the blood of Jesus, we're going to break every curse. Jesus became a curse to break the curse, but we need to recognize curses so that we can break them. The devil laughs at Christians that say, well, we don't need to break curses. He wants you to think that. He wants you to think that you don't need to break curses. He wants you not to know. He's been hiding these secrets for years and doesn't want the church believe me demons are mad right now that we are exposing them for what they are and we're setting people free if you've been having life traumas remember these are symptoms of generational curses one to another and you never get a break that's a curse according to Deuteronomy 28. Okay, these are all Deuteronomy 28. So you're like, where are you getting these from? From the Bible. That's where I'm getting them from. Everything I'm giving you tonight, I'm getting from the Bible. Number seven, this is a big one. Mental and emotional breakdowns. Come on, somebody help me tonight. We're gonna get free tonight constant emotional and mental breakdowns. You're laying in your bed and you say, I have money, I have a nice car, I have healthy children, I have a beautiful family, I have an a, a awesome husband, an awesome wife, but you're crying at night having a mental breakdown. And your significant other says, why are you crying? Why are you breaking down? And you say, I don't know why I keep having mental and emotional breakdowns. It's because you are, you could be, not that you are, but you could be under a generational cur curse according to Deuteronomy 28. Mental and emotional breakdown is number seven. Number eight is breakdown of family relationships, including the spirit of divorce. So this is a breakdown in families of relationships, tension in the family, tension in the marriage, divorce, anger, all the other stuff that I could go into. That's number eight. Number nine is being spiritually hindered in hearing God's voice, sensing God's presence, understanding the Bible, concentrating in prayer, and living devoid of spiritual gifts. Okay, 
Many people, as I travel, as I preach, as I share, say, Isaiah, I can't connect with the voice of God. The Holy Spirit's distant. This is a curse. This is a symptom, should I say, of the curse as being disconnected from the presence and the power and the anointing of God. Now, I'm going to say a statement here that is very important that I want you to write down if you can. Okay? This is the statement. Grace does not mean that a curse can no longer function and pass down through generations, okay? Let me say that again. Grace does not mean that a curse can no longer function or pass through generations. Grace means that through the substitutionary death of Jesus, God has provided a remedy for the curse. Grace gives us a remedy for the curse. Just because that there's grace or you know about grace doesn't mean the curse doesn't get passed down. The grace and the power and the blood doesn't work unless it's applied. You can have the cure to cancer in your in your office drawer and die of cancer if you never apply the cure. So grace is the Through the death of Jesus, God has provided a remedy for the curse. In fact, the Bible tells us explicitly there's a remedy for the curse. And later, we're going to end with the remedy for the curse, okay? So grace does not stop curses from forming. Grace gives us the ability to break the curse. Jesus, the Bible says, became the curse so that we could become the righteousness of God. Specifically, talking about the curse of sin, but applies to other areas as well. Generational curses, and I want you to note this and write this down. If you're doing deliverance, this is a free nugget here, a training generational curses do at times talk also demons hang on to generational curses and generational curses are a legal right for demons to stay so if you're doing a deliverance and you can't get and someone's writing someone just wrote down all nine praise the lord if you and go read deuteronomy 28 later if you can't get the demon out you need to know that demons will be able to hang on to generational curses okay that's number one of five types of curses was generational curses. Is this good? Can, can I keep going? Do you guys want me just to just get off here and go live next week? If you want me just to get off here and just continue part two, let me know because I got a whole bunch more and we're 45 minutes in. And I'm not even, I'm on number two out of five. Okay. Number two is accursed items. Write that down. Accursed items. These are items that are cursed. And this is found in Deuteronomy 7.25. The great, this is what the Bible says, the graven images of their gods, you shall burn with fire. So it tells us what to do with the cursed items. I'm going to show you the New Testament after. You shall not desire the silver or gold that is on them. Do not take it for yourselves, lest you be ensnared by the item. For it is an abomination to your God. Neither shall you bring an idol into your house, lest you become like the idol or like the accursed thing. But you shall utterly detest and abhor it, for it is a curse. So here we find in Deuteronomy, the Lord says, if you take the item that's accursed, you'll be ensnared by the item. You'll be trapped or cursed by the item. This is in your Bible. And he says, and if you take it into your house, you'll become accursed like the item. So God is saying, listen, everyone said, keep going. Okay, praise the Lord. It's my stream, so I'm going to keep going. So here's what he's saying. Somebody comes under a curse when they take an accursed item into their possession. Many times these hinder deliverance. The demons don't leave until the accursed item is broken. I've had demons literally tell me I'm not leaving until they get rid of this item. This can also hinder your healing, your breakthrough, and your deliverance in many areas. I've had healing ministers tell me that God will literally show them an item in somebody's house. I heard a story of one guy who had cancer and the deliverance minister started praying for him and the Lord said there's a book that he doesn't know about in his library on witchcraft and the only way he'll get held to cancer is if he gets rid of the book the guy left the meeting 
got rid of the book on witchcraft, went back to the doctor, was cancer-free. So the book was hindering his healing. It was not that God didn't want to heal the man. It was that the witchcraft book was hindering his healing. So we know here, if we take accursed items, we will also become like the curse. Someone said, keep going and do a part two. Okay. So many times these hinder, um, like I said, we need to be able to do it. So if you feel a blockage in your family or in your house tonight, I want you when this is over to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anything in your house that is accursed, anything that's cursed, any item. This is all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything accursed in my house? And we have to remember, guys, I'm going to keep saying this throughout the broadcast. The Holy Spirit is your guide. Isaiah is not your guide. The Holy Spirit is your guide. People say, how'd you know the demon was there? Word of knowledge. How'd you know you had the curse? The word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit is our guide. He's the leader in the truth. He's the guide of the protector. He's the one that's going to lead you. So don't lean on me. Don't write me and say, Isaiah, is this item cursed or what? No, no. The Holy Spirit is your guide. Let him be your conscience. Let him be your guide. So you need to ask that. Now, accursed in the Hebrew means devoted things, and it means things that were devoted to God. They become a curse when people take them for themselves. Now, there's a difference between accursed, which is an A, and cursed. Accursed is something that's been dedicated to God that God says, don't take for yourself. And cursed is an item like a Ouija board. Those are the differences, okay? So we see in Joshua 6, let me give you just a quick instance here. With Achan, he stole things that were devoted. God said, okay, you're going to go in and there's going to be lots of spoils of war. But God says, don't take anything. I don't want you to take the gold, the silver, nothing. You're going to be tempted to take it, but don't take it. But then Achan stole things that were devoted to God. They were a curse. And what happened? A curse came on Achan on his family and the entire camp of Israel. And now the enemy was able to defeat them. A whole bunch of guys died. They get back and they go, what is going on? We should have won that battle. They lost the battle because they were cursed. Many of you are losing battles in your life because you are under a curse and you've taken what belongs to the Holy Spirit. In order to remove the curse, what did he have to do? He had to destroy the items that his family had because under the law of Moses, they had to not just get rid of the items, but they had to get rid of the people as well. And thank God that we're not under the law of Moses or out. We would probably be dead tonight. Okay. We had these accursed items. So you had to know in order to remove the curse, they had to destroy the items. Now I'm not now. Okay. I got to say this because I know what I'm about to say. And I know all of you are going to start manifesting and freaking out. I am not preaching on tithing. I am not preaching on giving and please don't write me and ask about a tithe. Okay. Don't ask me about tithe. Don't ask me about giving. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says and I'm going to leave it alone and we're going to move on because I don't have time to preach on tithing and I'm not preaching on tithing tonight. I'm preaching on curses, but I have to share this Malachi 3, 8. This is what it says. Will a man rob God yet? He has robbed him. How in his tithing offerings. Now here's what the Bible says in Malachi 3, 8. Ye are cursed with a curse for you have robbed God, even this whole nation. So here's what the Bible says. Now, like I said, I'm not going to go any longer on this. Okay. Don't start trying to give all that. I mean, you can give, but don't because I said this, but I want you to go. I want you just to see this withholding the tithe and the offering brought a curse upon the person. Okay. As I said, I'm not going to talk about this because I believe new Testament tithing and offering is a much higher standard than old Testament, but just know that the Bible says a curse will come. Acts 19, 19. Remember, we're talking about cursed items. Revival broke out and people begin to clean their house, which is what I suggest you do after the stream. The Bible says this, and that many believed, many confessed, many showed their deeds or revealed their secrets. Many of them also, which used, now I want you to under, see what it says here in the King James, which used curious arts 
brought their witchcraft books together and burned them before all the people and they counted the price of them and the Bible says it was about 50,000 pieces of silver which some people say was one to three million dollars worth of books but here's what I want you to see about cursed items now we just talked about accursed items which is a c c u r s e d now we're talking about cursed items okay so here in Acts 19:19, for all of you in the chat that say oh curses aren't New Testament which I'm going to show you that they are even more as we go I'm going to keep building a stronger case this is in the book of Acts in the New Testament after Jesus died on the cross these items are cursed but the Bible says they were using curious arts this is what the King James says talked about curious arts one translation says sorcery one translation says magic arts but the King James calls it curious arts now here's why I like the translation curious arts because it's so fitting for the demonic realm when you talk about Ouija board when you talk about crystals, when you talk about chakras, dream catchers, um, uh, uh, mats, clairvoyance, all these different things that people do, energy, and all these different witchcraft items, I love how the King James calls them curious arts because most people get into witchcraft because they are curious. Curious arts is the same as sorcery or witchcraft, it's the same word, but it's interesting how they're called curious arts because something on the inside of us is curious towards the supernatural realm, and because the church is not preaching on the supernatural realm, we are taking our curiosity and we are bringing it to the demonic realm. I can remember before I was saved being curious about demons and about witchcraft and magic and Ouija board and so I remember as a younger kid um, uh, googling spells and voodoo dolls and all these different things that are very real because I was curious but understand that curiosity is a strategy of the devil and many people get wrapped up in all types of perversion because they were curious curiosity did not just kill the cat curiosity kills people's spiritual life all the time if you look at the most perverted levels and I won't go into detail because there's kids watching. I understand this. But if you ask the person in it, and I've dealt with people that are in the most perverted stuff you've ever imagined in your life, they always say one thing they all have in common. Every one of them that's into in, in, insane perversion. They always say, I was just curious. How did you end up looking at that? I was just curious. Why did you do the Ouija board? I was just curious. Why did you watch that morbid video? I was just curious curious this is why people watch perverted things this is why people watch morbid things this is why people watch videos terrible videos on the internet it's that curiosity that will not just kill the cat but will kill your spiritual life someone said curiosity curse the cat okay so understand that these items that are cursed are alive in the spiritual realm and they have meaning and value in the spiritual realm i've had a i had a friend once that played ouija board and out of his ouija board a spirit came and it had a name i won't mention his name because i don't want to bring up any spirits or say about any spirits but had a name and it followed my friend around for years and my friend never got free from the spirit until he got delivered and saved the spirit followed him so I want you to know that when you open doors unwanted things will begin to come through those doors okay I've had times where I've done deliverance some of you heard the story and a man had a prayer scroll in his neck and the, there was a demon in his tonsils and he couldn't get free from it until we broke the prayer scroll and threw it away I've had times where a man had a ring a guy who had actually murdered people he was in a gang had rings and they represented murder and he didn't get free until we burned the rings I had somebody that was trying to get deliverance and the demon said I'm not leaving I came from Africa and I'm attached to the plate at her house and I'm a, I'm witchcraft I'm, I'm a cursed item and so these are all things you need to begin to think about in deliverance and you need to begin to realize now what do we do with cursed items we burn them that's what we do with them I dealt with one girl who was involved with the Illuminati and she told me every night she talks to posters on her wall of celebrities and they tell her things in fact she told me that she met with the devil which I don't think it was the devil but she thought it was 
and signed a contract that she would be beautiful and she would never age. And I dealt with this girl in deliverance and she would talk to her posters and understand that the posters were cursed, okay? And the, the demons were using them as a point of reference. Now, if you go look up on YouTube, John Ramirez's testimony, you're gonna see John Ramirez going into a curio store, which is interesting, they call them curio stores because curious arts. And he shows in his video a bunch of statues. And what he says is, if you don't know who John Ramirez is, he's an ex-Satanic high priest, a friend of mine, he says that in the, in order to conjure demons, you need statues to be the point of reference to which the demons can come through. Demons can't just show up unless they have a point of reference. So the Ouija board, people say, well, it's made by Hasbro. How could it be evil? It's not the game that's evil. It's that the devil use it as, as a vehicle to the spiritual realm, which is why same thing with dream catchers and crystals and all the things I can name a hundred things. These are all cursed items. And what do we do? We burn them. The Bible says to burn them. These are portals or points of references to the spiritual realm. Okay. So we talked about it. Cursed items was number two. Number three. Okay. We're an hour in or on number three. Number three, types of curses we're talking about tonight is personal curses. Curses that come by personal sin or through a sin door, you can call it personal curses, okay? Um, we see this by King Saul who brought a personal curse on himself when Samuel said you've committed witchcraft by rebelling against God. When he disobeyed God, he brought a spell or a curse upon himself by disobeying God's commandments. Now, what did we say the way that you're cursed in the very beginning when we laid out the intro? The way that you get cursed is specifically personal curses is when you disobey God. Blessings come by, by obeying God. Curses come by disobeying God. Now, there's 37 personal curses in the Bible. 37. These are through Revelation. These are through Deuteronomy. These are in Malachi, Judges, Haggai, Genesis, uh, all throughout the Bible. Leviticus. Um, they're found through the New Testament, 1 Kings. I have lots of them written down here. I have about uh, 50 scriptures of personal curses. I'm not going to give you the verses because it will take me way too long, but I'm going to give you the act of the, the curse. So this was this is what the Bible says. They're all I verses for every single one of these. Here's what the Bible says. If you do these things, um, most of these are found in the book of Deuteronomy, by the way, chapter 27, chapter 22. Um, if you want to read a lot of these, 27, 23, 22, there's a lot of these curse found, but I'm going to give you what the Bible says. If you do these things, then now a curse is going to come on you, okay? I'm going to speed read this. Isaiah Saldivar edition. You don't need, someone said you really prepared. I did. I spent, I spent, I don't want to tell you how much time I spent preparing all this, but it's okay. Um, it's all part of training. I'm going to give you 37. I'm going to speed read them. Don't try to write them down. I'm just going to read them. Yeah. Tarot cards are also cursed items. Okay. I'm just going to read them and save all your questions for next week. Cause we're going to answer them live on the air. Okay. I'm going to read them quick. Are you guys ready? 37. Idolatry is number one. Incest with one sister's mother-in-law or father's wife. Adultery. Cruelty to a handicapped person, oppressing those that are defenseless, fornication, dishonoring your parents, sexual relations with any animal, defrauding your neighbor, homosexual relationships, sexual intercourse during menstruation, marrying a woman and her mother, rape, children conceived out of wedlock, accursed objects in one's possessions. We talked about that earlier. Any occult practice, this includes divination, sorcery, omens, witchcraft, consulting mediums, or consulting the dead. The Bible talks all about these, okay? Yes, burning sage is also demonic. Murder, murder for hire, including those paid to perform abortions, forsaking the Lord, not serving the Lord joyfully and gladfully, gladfully 
during a time of prosperity that is a curse if you don't do that not reverencing the name of the lord presumption and thought and disregarding the lord's word cursing or mistreating a seed of abraham refusing to help in the lord's warfare okay there's one right there if you refuse to help in the lord's warfare there's a curse that comes on you according to judges 5 and jeremiah 48 failure to give god glory robbing god of tithes and offerings we already talked about that neglecting the work of the lord enticing others away from the lord into a false religion taking away or adding to the word of god that's in revelation 22 the bible says a curse will come on you new testament hello somebody teaching rebellion against the lord refusing to warn those who sin defiling the sabbath perverting the gospel that's in galatians 1 cursing someone's ruler refusal to forgive somebody even though god has already forgiven you that's in matthew 18 child sacrifice like abortion leviticus 18 deuteronomy 18 disobedience against any of the lord's commands deuteronomy 11 and 27 these are 37 ways that the bible says yes dream catchers are demonic these are 37 ways that the Bible says if you do these things, you'll become a curse. Another way to tell if you're under a personal curse, remember number three is personal curses, is by comparing your life to the blessings of God. So in Deuteronomy 28, we're going back again, is going to be the cursings. What happens if you're cursed, which we already talked about, and then it's going to say what happens if you're blessed. Now, if you don't have the blessings of God on your life, what did I already say? But you're, you're cursed. The Bible says there's only blessings or cursings. There's no in between. So some of the blessings in Deuteronomy 28 are, are you set on high by God? Are you a lender, not the borrower? Are you the head and not the tail? Is there fruitfulness in your life? Do you prosper coming and prosper going? Is your relationship with God gratifying? Are you recognized and fulfilling his purposes? These are all marks of a blessed life. Also, you can look at the effects of a curse and you'll see if you have any of those. So we already talked about those. Um, idol idolatry is oftentimes a gateway to demons and curses man this is taking way longer than i expected psalms 15 says they made idols and everyone who trusts in those become like what they worship if you worship idols you become cursed like the idols idols have mouths the bible say but they can't speak when you worship idols you never speak up for the gospel idols have eyes but they can't see when you're do when you're serving idols you you'll never be able to see spiritually you'll be spiritually blind the bible says that idols have ears but they can't hear many christians complain they can't hear the voice of god you might be under personal curse they have noses but they can't smell the bible says that the fragrance of the lord is as his presence idol worshipers can't sense the presence of god these are all signs of a curse okay number four that was number three was personal curses okay number four is word curses you guys know we have to go there because this is a major one this is a major one because so many people do not realize they're putting curses on themselves on their friends and on their families and oftentimes word curses are the root of many issues in our lives proverbs 18 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue so spoken words have the power to either bless somebody or curse somebody the bible says in mark 11 14 that jesus cursed the fig tree hold on how did jesus curse the fig tree brother when curses are not in the new testament you're wrong again but understand and the bible says that after that the next morning that the tree withered from the roots now in john eleven forty three, jesus said lazarus come forth and the bible says that lazarus came back to life how did jesus bring lazarus back to life with the power of his word he cursed the fig tree, brought death, and then brought life. So that's the power of the tongue. Whenever we speak, we minister. I want you to remember this. Anytime you speak, you minister. You're either cursing or you're blessing. You're either tearing down or you're building up. There's three components to 
word curses. Number one is words that have been spoken against us that are evil, words that we've spoken against others, or words that we've spoken against ourselves. Those are the three components of word curses. Understand that evil words spoken produce word curses, not only when they're spoken maliciously, but carelessly. So you can actually accidentally curse somebody by speaking maliciously over somebody. So you say, I just wish so-and-so would die. I just wish so-and-so would get sick. I wish so-and-so, but you're not really, that doesn't mean that it has to be malicious, but you could speak death over their ministry or people are going to stop going to that church. People are never going to get free there. And you're malicious and you're not maliciously, but you're, you're carelessly speaking word curses. This is why it's important that we learn to discipline our tongue. The Bible says when you speak evil of others, you're cursing them. Romans 12, 14 says to bless people and curse not. Here we are again in the New Testament for all of you that are like, there's no curse in the New Testament. Well, Romans Bible says, bless people, don't curse people. That's not talking about cursing at them. It's saying don't bring curses on them. And Deuteronomy 27, if we disobey God and curse others, the Bible says it brings a curse upon ourselves. So understand that when you're bringing word curse on others, you're cursing themselves. Now, let me talk to you very quickly about a lot of pastors and preachers, I'm not here to call anybody out, that say, oh, just curse those other churches or curse people. Some preachers advocate cursing people or they say, well, just send the curse back to the one that cursed you. Now, that's that's fine if that's what you do, but let me just tell you the Bible speaks against that. In Matthew 5, 44, Jesus explicitly tells us what to do if somebody curses you. So Jesus tells us, if somebody curses you, let me tell you what to do, okay? He doesn't send it back to sender. He doesn't multiply it by four and send it back. Here's what Jesus says to do. But I say unto you, now a lot of you are not gonna like this because you're full of rage and vengeance and you're angry. But let me just tell you what the Bible says. But I say unto you, Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies and let me capital letters this, bless them that curse you. Do good to those that hate you and pray for them that despise you and persecute you and use you. So Jesus says, now, what do we do, Isaiah, if somebody's putting a curse on us? What do we do? What do we do if someone's cursing us, constantly putting curse on us? Here's what Jesus says, bless them. So not only is Jesus showing us cursings in the New Testament, because he says, if somebody curses you, bless them. So right there, Jesus himself, doesn't get any clearer, shows us curses are New Testament, shows us that curses are real and have power, but he says, you need to go ahead and bless them when they curse you. Well, what do we do if people hate us? Now, guys, I don't understand this. Why are we trying to figure out what to do about haters? Why are we trying to figure out what to do about cursed people that curse us? Like we're trying to find a strategy and what do we do? Do we send fire to them? Do we know? Jesus already told us what to do. He says, when they curse you, go ahead and bless them. When they hate you, go ahead and do good to them. Pray for those that use you and persecute you. So when someone's cursing you saying, you're never gonna be this, you're gonna, and they're putting word curse on you, Lord, I just bless them right now. I pray that their church would thrive. I pray that their business would thrive. I pray that their marriage would thrive. No, that's not what you do. When somebody curses you, you go, oh God, I pray that you wouldn't rain on their crops. I pray that their car would break down. I pray that their transmission would break. I pray that their kids would never get into that college. And we sit there and we speak evil over people and we speak evil over their lives. And Jesus says, that's not what I want you to do. I just want you to bless them. How do you bless people? Lord, I pray right now, double portion over everyone that's ever cursed me. I pray God that that pastor that keeps trying to curse my ministry, I pray God that you would increase his finances. I pray right now, Lord, you got to understand the devil don't know what to do about this. The devil starts losing his mind, freaking out demons running around going, why? Because perfect love casts out fear. 
Demons don't know what to do with love. Sometimes in deliverance, you just hug the person. The demons are, ah, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do because demons can't understand or perceive love. Curses can't handle when you bless. You want to start breaking curses off your family? Start blessing your family. We are blessed and highly favored. Some of you right now need to start blessing everybody. Some of y'all are logging off. I didn't like this. I'm here to just go ahead and curse everybody. I thought you were going to teach me how to put curses on people. Wrong. I'm here to tell you that you need to bless those that curse you. I have people in our ministry that leave our ministry and curse us, talk all bad about us, that ministry, blah, 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 and they run their mouth, run their mouth, run their mouth. Do you know what I do when I see them and talk to them? What could I do for you? If you ever need finances, here I am. If you ever need a place to stay, and they all, they know, they're in the chat. They know that they have bad-mouthed us for years, and we've only been there with open arms to bless them. I just blessed somebody recently that cursed me countless times, okay? We just keep blessing and blessing and blessing, and we just bless the curse, and it breaks the curse. This is what Jesus had to do. So if you want to find a better way, um, that's all good. But you need to understand Jesus had to bless them. Now, Matthew 12 says every idle word we speak will give an account for on Judgment Day. The word idle is unprecedented profitable it's fruitless it's barren understand this about word curses and words words cannot be unspoken or taken back this is why words are dangerous so you need to pause right now and bless everybody that has cursed you now word curses often develop when parents curse their children by saying things like you're a failure you'll never amount to anything you're always going to be this way you're never going to get married you're never going to have a good job why are you so dumb? We didn't even want another kid. These are word curses you're putting. Kids also curse their parents when they say, I can't stand you. I wish I had different parents. If only I was born. These are all word curses. Husband and wives. Now, here's what I want to say about husbands and wives. This is a very important point that I have here. They curse each other when they criticize and condemn each other. So when you start cutting down your wife, when you start criticizing your wife, you never clean the house and you never cook and you're never this and you're lazy and you're criticizing your husband and this and that and why are you always this and you're criticizing each other. Here's one special rule that you need to understand. You're actually not just cursing them, but you're cursing yourself because you are one flesh. So when you cut down your wife or cut down your husband or curse your wife or curse your husband, just know that you're bringing the curse, come on, share this, upon yourself because you have to understand that you're one flesh. Now, evil words that are spoken against us, this is important. Now, this is important because there's no way to know everyone that's putting curses on you. So I want to say this before all of you start getting paranoid and I create a whole bunch of people that are just always paranoid. Let me just say something very important here. You are not responsible to constantly break curses that you don't even know about. If you start living this way, you'll be paranoid in constant fear. Everywhere you go, oh my gosh, someone's cursing me. Oh my gosh, there's a witch after me. Oh my gosh, oh my God. Oh That's not how you live your life. Instead, you need to understand that demons cannot enter without a legal right or open door. Demons are the enforcer of the curse and nobody can put a curse or a demon on you if there's not an opening in your life. The key to staying free and walking free from curses is walking and holding holiness and obedience to Christ. Proverbs 26 says that a curse can't land without a cause. Remember when Balaam tried cursing God's people and he couldn't curse them. And here's, here's what Balaam said. He's trying to put word curses on them. Balaam said, how could I curse what God has not cursed? In other words, the blessing on my life is preventing the curse. Our per oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to write this down. 
Our protection is not found in denouncing every curse that someone puts on us. It's found by walking righteously before the Lord. I've had people while I'm preaching on many occasions right now. The truth is there's probably people, come on, share this, cursing me right now as I preach. I guarantee that out of 900 people watching, there's somebody in here trying to put a curse on me. But understand that if there's nowhere for the curse to land, it's blocked by the helmet of salvation and the blessing on my life. So you don't have to freak out and say, oh my gosh, I'm being cursed people are putting curses on me the curse could get on you I mean they could try to put it on you but the curse won't be able to land the Bible says and that's in Proverbs 26 a curse without a cause a curse cannot land without a cause so you need to understand do not be freaked out and panic Isaiah how do you preach when there's witches on the front row trying to put curses on you because I know there's no open doors in my life and the curse is not able to land on me um numbers 30 now we're not we don't have time to talk about authority when it comes to cursing or authority in your family but let me just give you a small just taste here of numbers 30 that says something very interesting to think about about curses and word curses it talks about vows and it basically says that the husband and the father of the house if they hear their wife or their daughter making a foolish vow they could release the woman by forbidding the vow to stand but if the father says nothing they're bound by their words okay so if the wife or the daughter makes a foolish vow and we don't really know much about vows because we don't teach on vows but vows are all throughout the bible and the vow was foolish the, the father and the husband has the power in the spirit realm to break the vow and to release them from the vow. But if the father stays silent, the Bible says they're held to the vow. So this shows a spiritual principle that those with spiritual authority in the house have the power to nullify foolish things that are spoken. So many times I preach about word curses is the father has the power to curse the kids and all these types of things or teachers have the power to curse students because they have authority over them. Curses are all about authority and oftentimes people in authority over us have the power do bring curses on us and this is um shown in numbers 30 you can go read that later but understand there's power right there now let me just talk quickly about uh evil words spoken over ourselves because it's possible and we're going to go through one more curse and then we're going to pray it's possible to bring curses on ourselves proverbs 6 2 says you're snared by the words of your mouth and the word snare means to bring ruin or destruction it's like a bird getting caught in a net the children of israel israel are perfect examples of this they never entered the promise because the bible says they murmured and murmured and murmured and they brought a curse upon themselves murmuring literally cursed them so it's possible to put word curses on yourself this why I've said it a thousand times ladies men do not stand in front of the mirror and say I can't stand this about me I can't stand this about me I'm never going to be skinny I'm never going to be this I'm never going to gain weight the, my nose is always going to be this way my ears and you're just putting words on yourself I'm always going to be a failure I'm never going to pass the test don't say that because the power is in your mouth I don't understand what I have to do I have to shake some of you stop saying you're never going to do that stop saying you're poor stop saying you might have ten dollars in your bank account but doesn't mean you have the spirit of poverty and you're bringing a curse on yourself when you're always speaking negative things over your kids over your family over your wives stop cursing yourself first Corinthians 10 says stop murmuring as some have murmured and were destroyed by the destroyer all these things happened to them for examples they were written for abnomation for us here's what Paul was saying understand that they when they murmured they were destroyed by the destroyer they put a curse on themselves and Paul says and here's why I'm trying to tell you this he says it's so that it could be an example for you so that you won't do it Paul says let them make the mistake for you so that you won't do it understand guys we have to stop with this foolishness of constantly cursing ourselves cursing our womb cursing our family come on where are y'all at in the chat number four 
We're done with number four, and that was word curses, okay? This is a very extensive teaching, as you can see. Number five, let's just finish it off here with the last one. Oh, man, I'm gonna have to give you some of this another time because it's just, it's too much. Okay, number five is witchcraft curses. Write it down. Number five is witchcraft curses. Now, witchcraft, if you don't know what it is, it's the way people seek to contact or advance the kingdom of darkness. They use witchcraft. So the way we pray, that's like witchcraft, okay? Witchcraft is the vehicle. It's the tools that they use to advance the dark kingdom. Um, the same way we're up in here and we're training and we're preaching and some of you are glad, some of you are mad. They're doing the same thing. Don't, don't be mistaken. They're doing the same thing. There are YouTube channels. I just found one yesterday that are dedicated to teaching sorcery and witchcraft. And I was watching, uh, I saw a girl doing a video and I clicked on it. It was about breaking generational curses. I said, oh, this might be some good wisdom here. I started listening and she was a witch. She was teaching people how to put generational curses on people and break them off of people. So I realized, and there was hundreds of thousands of views. So I realized I'm uploading content onto YouTube. Many of you are finding out about us through YouTube. So are they. The witches are also. So don't think we're the only ones training. They're training much harder than us. We need to start doing this. I can't be the only one training and doing this. The witches are training and teaching. John Romero says he was mind blown when he became a Christian. He realized the witches would sacrifice and do rituals for eight to 10 hours a day. And Christians barely pray for five minutes a day. I need you to understand this. Witchcraft is alive and well and prevalent in America, even if we don't realize it. When you go to other countries, most villages have what they call a witch doctor. That's the most revered, powerful person in the area. We find this at Simon the Sorcerer in the book of Acts chapter eight. He amazed and brought fear upon the people with his magic. Sorcery and witchcraft are the same. We see it all throughout scripture. We see it all throughout our world. And just because we don't have witch doctors in America, don't think that there's not witches and warlocks, warlocks being a male witch, that are out and are alive and well. Understand witchcraft is real and prevalent, okay? Some might think, well, you know, there's no witchcraft in America, but you have to understand rebelling against the word of God, the Bible says is witchcraft. And you can go into Saul when the Bible says that he was involved in witchcraft, rebellion was as a sin of witchcraft, but you need to understand that witchcraft is real. It's alive. It's in the Bible. And a lot of times the enemy use it in ways we don't understand. One of the main ways that the enemy is spreading witchcraft is through the music. Music is a vehicle for witchcraft. It's a vehicle for control. Witchcraft is using a spirit other than the Holy Spirit to try to seek and control. Remember, God does not control anybody. God does not dominate anybody. So anytime you see domination, that's always the devil. Anytime you see control, that's always the devil. God is not a controlling God. He doesn't make people do things. He gives us free will. And the celebrities right now, I don't have time to do this because I'll, I'll do another video another day on witchcraft because I could go a couple hours on this on the topic. But understand, one of the main ways witchcraft is pumped into our kids is through music. Celebrities are using music Okay, to bring witchcraft. Hollywood is using movies to bring witchcraft. Okay, you wanna know the witch doctors of America? So you're like, well, there's no witch doctors, we don't live in a village. The witch doctors are the producers and the directors of Hollywood movies that are introducing our kids to things that are full of magic and witchcraft. It is a gateway. If you're wondering where the witch doctors are, if you go to Africa, there's witch doctors. If you go to India, there's witch doctors. Let me tell you the witch doctors, they're rich and they're powerful and they're living in mansions and they're building movie. They're making movies and they're making music to infiltrate our kids. Don't do you better believe that there's some witch doctors working at Disney. Okay. You better believe there's some witch doctors that are working at Disney and some of you are just like ah you just logged off because you freaked out because you worship Disney okay I'm not gonna go into that because I don't want to lose too many followers tonight and I want you guys to sew and give and all that and you won't if I start talking about real witchcraft um 
pastors also use witchcraft okay witchcraft is also alive in the church through false doctrine and control when we preach a gospel that says you can live a life that violates god's word we're spreading witchcraft in the church because the bible talks about witchcraft being the sin of rebellion revelation 12 9 says that satan has deceived the whole world so we're really seeing this play out right now satan has brought deception on the world under the power of witchcraft second corinthians 11 3 paul was afraid of the church being deceived by the power of the enemy but i'm afraid he says this is Paul in 2 Corinthians. He comes to the church of Corinth. He says, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of, devo- of devotion to Christ. So Paul is concerned that the enemy is going to come in. Now, he also talks about following a different spirit, which is witchcraft. Any spirit other than the Holy Spirit that you follow is witchcraft. Um, witches do incantations. They use potions, herbal conco- concoctions, and all these other things to bring upon curses. So witchcraft curses are real they are alive there is witches actively trying to bring curses over you and most christians would find this unbelievable most christians would find this nuts they don't think this is real but remember in ezekiel 13 ezekiel prophesied to a woman who was doing witchcraft and voodoo this is in ezekiel and he says woe to the woman that sews magic bands on her wrist and makes veils of the heads of persons of every stature to hunt down lives so he says this woman's making little veils of heads of people people and using those heads to hunt them down these are voodoo dolls in the bible ezekiel 13 he says you have profaned me to my people to put death to some who should not die and keep others alive who should not live so let me give you the translation ezekiel 13 ezekiel says there's a witch that's putting witchcraft spells and curses on people and people are dying this is ezekiel not isaiah that should not be dying and people are still alive that should be dead so here's a witch that ezekiel shows us has the power to do witchcraft and to kill people prematurely and to keep people alive that shouldn't be alive there we see in scripture the power of witchcraft they're killing people clearly they had the power to kill and clearly had the power to keep alive so some of you tonight might have a curse of witchcraft on you and we're going to break it remember balaam was known to use witchcraft to curse people in fact king balak in numbers 22 6 said that i know that those who you bless are blessed and i know that those you curse are cursed balak who was the king of the time literally recognized balaam and said i know they told balaam this in your bible i know Balaam, you have the power to curse and you have the power to bless. He understood that he had power, witchcraft power to bless and to curse. But remember this. Now, here's where hope comes in. Balaam was unable to curse Israel because they were in obedience and in covenant with God. You don't have to stress out. Here's what I want to end on, okay? You don't have to stress out all the time on who's cursing you. If you walk in holiness and righteousness, that is your protection from the curse. The protection is walking in righteousness and holiness. Now, what's the remedy for the curse? Galatians tells us now. The bad news is the Bible says there's no remedy for the the bad news is the Bible says there's no remedy for the curse of the law. The good news is Jesus provided a way of escape. There's no remedy, the curse of the law. When you are under the law, when you are under that curse, there's no remedy for that curse. But Jesus provided the remedy for the curse of the law in Galatians 3. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse. He became the curse on the tree and broke the curse. So there's no reason for anybody tonight after we pray to stay cursed. Okay, we're going to take about 10 
minutes here and pray these prayers. There's no reason for you to stay cursed. There's no reason for you to stay in the power of the enemy. Christ has provided a remedy, an antidote, and a solution from the curse. So you need to understand that the curse is real, but the power of God is just as real. The first curse, I'm going to end here, that we ever saw was upon the human race was Adam and Eve when they sinned. The Bible says everybody involved with the sin was cursed. Genesis 3 says the snake was cursed. The woman was cursed and there was painful childbirth and the husband would rule over her. The man was cursed in the book of Genesis. Me and my wife were in the hospital last week. She got a C-section. She was in lots of pain, having contractions. And I said, man, in the hospital room, I said, man, this is all Eve's fault. I couldn't stop thinking about it. it was all Eve's fault. The curse that was put on Eve was that you are now going to have pain in childbirth. So all y'all moms out there, you can thank Eve for being under the curse. We are still under that curse. How many know that just because Jesus died on the cross doesn't mean childbearing doesn't hurt anymore. We're still under the curse that Eve has put on us. Jesus did break the curse of the law, but we are still under specific curses. Now, understand this about curses, that sometimes just because you've gotten repented or gotten free or delivered doesn't mean the curse always mean it goes away oftentimes we have to break the curse in the old testament they couldn't they had no power over the curse of the law in fact david's life is a perfect example that the law because the law said you shouldn't commit adultery or murder and david committed adultery and murder so think about this the the law says you can't commit adultery and you can't commit murder david commits adultery and murder and the Bible says in Psalms 51, he repented with bitter tears and God forgave him. But remember, Nathan the prophet showed up and said, David, even though God has forgiven you because you're still under the law, I'm going to announce a curse on you. And the curse is this. The sword will never leave your house and there will be hostility in your family. So even though David repented and the, ju the judgment still came and was passed down through his family because he was under the law and the Bible says that there's no remedy for the curse. Thank God for Jesus that he brought freedom and there's liberty and remedy for the curse tonight. Our remedy, our freedom is found in Jesus in the presence of God. Jesus is our liberator. He is our remedy. He is our healer. And he's the one that is able to break the curse. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to pray some prayers to break curses tonight in Jesus name. I know it's hard. I know I talk fast, but this is the most important part of the night is when we break these curses. Okay. I'm going to have you repeat after me. I'm going to try to go slow, but guys, you know that I'm not going to go slow here, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to break curses. All right. So I'm going to read this. These are very simple, very, 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 very simple prayers. I want you to repeat after me. Isaiah, how is there power in repeating after you? I'm glad you asked. The power is where? In the tongue. So that when we speak, there's power of life and death. So as you speak this, and as you mean it, and as you pray it, you have power by your words. How did Jesus curse? He spoke to the fig tree. How did Jesus bring life? He spoke to Lazarus, okay? So you have to open up your mouth and you have to speak it. I'm, I'm not just praying this going, oh, Father, Holy. I'm, I'm praying that God would break it off of me tonight, okay? I'm praying that God, last time we did this and we prayed arsenal prayers, was it last week or two weeks ago, whatever, it went by quick. I felt something in my Shondo, y'all. I felt something in my belly starting to break off me. So I'm expecting that after we pray this, we're going to go bring the baby in, bring my wife in, bring the baby in. And then as they're sitting here, all cute, I'll read through all your donations. You guys can give, donate, hang out, talk, and we'll share some stuff and whatever. We'll just have some fun here. Um, I know it's getting late. As I said, I got to pack tonight and leave in the morning, but this is the most important part. So wait to give. Let's get through these prayers and then you guys can start doing your giving and all that. But let us get through these uh, prayers, okay?
So here we go. This is going to be renouncing the sins of your forefathers. Very simple. Okay, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I I'm going to pause so you can say it, uh, so you can follow me, okay? Heavenly Father, I confess the sins of my forefathers. I now renounce, break, and loose myself and my family from all hereditary curses and from all demonic bondages placed upon us. Okay? So from all demonic bondage placed upon us as a result of sins, transgressions, iniquities through my parents or any of my ancestors. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray that again. I'm not going to pause. It's too hard to pause because it's too long. I'm just going to say it. And as I say it, you follow me along with me. Okay? So Heavenly Father, I confess the sins of my forefathers. I now renounce, break, and loose myself and my family from all hereditary curses and from all demonic bondages placed upon us as the result of sins, transgressions, and iniquities through my parents or any of my ancestors. Okay? Was that slow enough for you guys? Let me know if that was slow enough. I can talk slower. I can't keep up. Okay, I'm, I'm going slow. I'm going slow. Okay? And if you need to go back and watch it, you can watch it. I'm, I'm going to talk slow. But if you need to, oh, felt something in my stomach. Okay, you're getting free. You're getting free. We're breaking curses. I feel something moving around right now. I feel something breaking right now, okay? So something's shifting, something's changing. Yes, okay, it was good. It was good. Okay, it was slow enough. All right, we're going to go slow. We're going to go slow. We're going to go slow. Okay, next, we're going to accept forgiveness and we're going to forgive ourselves, okay? Forgiveness, all that is all good. Heavenly Father, you have promised in your word that if I will confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and you will cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I believe that you have forgiven me for Christ's sake. Therefore, I accept your forgiveness, and I forgive myself. Okay? So I want you to say that. I'm going to give you guys time. Praise the Lord. People are crying. People are getting free. I'm telling you guys, God is breaking it right now. God is breaking it right now. Okay. Here we go. We're going to move on. Now we're going to forgive all of those who have trespassed against you. So prepare in your mind anybody. Now we always yield unforgiveness because that's a, a, a root to the curse. So I want you to keep in your mind anyone that's hurt you or wronged you, and we're going to forgive them right now. So here we go. Lord, others have trespassed against me, but you have commanded me to forgive each person who has ever hurt me or wronged me in any way. I now make a decision to forgive, okay, and name them, both living and dead. So whoever it is that hurt you, forgive them now. I'm going to give you a second here. So I make a decision to forgive, and you're just going to forgive them. If you guys don't get this word for word, God knows what you're saying, okay? But go ahead and forgive them. And then here we go. Also, I want you to say this. Also, I bless each of these who I have forgiven and pray that they will have your peace, joy, and love in their lives. So what are we doing there? Right there, we're blessing those that have hurt us or wounded us. Thank you so much, Seth and Linda Holder. You guys are legends. Okay? So now we're going to bless them. So you say, I bless each of those I have forgiven, and I pray that they will have your peace, joy, and love in their lives. Okay, so we're doing forgiveness. Okay, here we go. Now we're going to renounce all contact with cults, the occult, and Eastern religions. Guys, I'm going as slow as possible. If you can't keep up, then rewatch the video. That's all I'm going to say about that, okay? I literally can't talk any slower. So if, if, I, if you don't get it, just rewatch it. Okay, now we're going to renounce cults, occult, and Eastern religions. Are you guys ready? Let's, let's do this, okay? 
We're going to do it slow, and you're going to repeat after me. Father, I confess as sin and ask your forgiveness for every involvement with cults, the occult, and false religions. And now be specific if you know specifically what your family or you were involved with, okay? I confess having sought from Satan's kingdom the knowledge, guidance, power, and healing that should only come from you. I hereby renounce, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I hereby renounce Satan and all of his works and all of his works. I loose myself from him and I take back all the ground that I ever yielded to him. I choose the blessing and I refuse the curse. I choose life and not death. Okay? So I want you to say that again. I choose the blessing and I refuse the curse, I choose life and not death in Jesus' name. If you need to go back after, you could rewatch it tonight and read them again and pray them again. They're going to be here and they'll be on YouTube tomorrow. Okay, here we go. We're going to go to number The seventh thing I want to do is we're going to do of destroying all books, objects, paraphernalia that are associated with cult or false religions, okay? So this is where we're going to pray and ask God to reveal anything in our, in our life, in our family, in our house, that has to do with occult or false religions, as I said, God will reveal this to you, as God revealed many things to me when I got saved that I had to get rid of. Here we go. Heavenly Father, you are a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate you. Therefore, I destroy all books and objects in my possession that are contrary to you and your kingdom. If there is anything in my possession that is not pleasing to you and gives any advantage to the devil, reveal this to me and I will destroy it. Okay? We're going to pray that last part one more time if you missed it. If there is anything in my possession that is not pleasing to you and gives any advantage to the devil, reveal this to me and I will destroy it. Yes, vomiting is a sign. And yes, drugs would be included. Yes, vomiting is a sign. For those of you that are vomiting, that's a sign that you're getting deliverance and the curse is being broken. Here we go. All right. Now we're going to cast out every demon and curse or every demon of curse, okay? So every curse, every demon attached to the curse, we're going to cast them out. Here we go. Satan, you have no right to my life and no power over me. I belong to God and I will serve God and him only. By the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break the power of every evil curse that has come upon me. I command every demon of curse to leave me now. Ancestral curse spirits, personal transgression curse spirits, witchcraft curse spirits, and spoken word curse spirits. I break you now in the name of Jesus. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Stuff's being broken right now. Okay, now that we've broken the curse, yes, yawning is also a sign. Now that we've broken the curse, and now that we've broken the demonic powers, we are going to claim the blessing. Okay, that's how we're going to end it, by claiming our blessing as we end this. Okay, so now the curse is broken, the demons have to leave. We're going to confess the blessing, and we're going to speak the blessing. Okay, Heavenly Father, thank you for delivering me from every curse through the redemptive work of your Son and my Savior, Jesus Christ. You exalt me and set me high. You cause me to be fruitful and to prosper in everything. By your hand of blessing, 
I am a success and not a failure. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. You have established me in holiness. I am yours and I purpose to serve you and to glorify your name. In the name of Jesus, we all say amen. Now, guys, these were direct breakings of the curses in Deuteronomy 28 and the blessings. If you read Deuteronomy 28, these were the blessings found in Deuteronomy that we're praying. And I'm telling you that there is power and there is breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to set you free. Tonight is your night, guys. An hour and 50 minutes. I was expecting this to be an hour. I told my wife we're going to bring the baby in at 7.30 and at 7.50 and I went almost two hours and I didn't. I'm going to be honest, guys. I still had some stuff left. I still had some revelation to give. I'll give it on another stream. Guys, I want to challenge you. Pray about becoming a monthly partner. We're going to bring the baby here in a second, but please, guys, pray about becoming a monthly partner. So into the ministry, so into what God is doing. Um, if tonight bless you, I spent, let's just say, over 10 hours getting ready for tonight. Please sow into what God is doing. This is how we support the ministry. This is how we support ourselves. This is how we do this full time. And if you want this content to continue, then sow into what God is doing so we can continue. I'm getting on a plane in the morning and going to Arizona to go preach Saturday night at the Doorkeepers of Revival. There's going to be several thousand people there. God is moving. So guys, support what God is doing. Support the ministry. I'm going to read all the donations. I know people are giving on Venmo. I have Zelle right there. I have Venmo right there. And I have two links to give. You can become a monthly partner. You can give one time on the website. If everyone just start typing the website, zsalivar.com uh, slash partner. And there's still 900 of you on. Praise the Lord. Imagine if 900 of you just gave something. It could be small. It doesn't matter. But imagine if everybody sowed. Now, I know there's tons of you giving that give every single week. But I want to challenge some of you that never give to step out. I'm not doing an offer. So, you know, I'm not doing all that. I'm just saying if God touches you and God speaks to you, then sow into what God is doing. As we say every week, don't dine and dash. So into what God is saying, what God is doing. I need to lower my desk here as you guys give, okay? And then I'm going to go ahead and read all your guys' donations. Thank you all of you that are signing up to become a monthly partner tonight. Every one of you that want this ministry to continue and want this word to continue and that God is touching and God is raising up and God is training right now in deliverance and spiritual warfare. Just keep praying that God keeps speaking to me to do this because I'll keep doing it as long as God says. What God gives me is what I speak, is what I say. So there you go. You can see all the giving links on screen. You can click the links. As you guys are giving, let me um, bring in the baby. Alyssa, if you're listening to le listening, let me lower my chair here and get everything set up. Just stay with us, guys. We'll be here in one second. We're going to grab the baby so you guys can see her. Give, give me one second. Let me find some music here. Let me put some music on for you guys. I'm going to lower my desk here so that we can get the baby in here. She's coming in, guys. One second. All right, let me lower the desk. Here we go. guys we're gonna get situated here all of you are freaking out can't wait to see her guys you are our family so we love sharing sharing our family with you guys yeah one second let me can i lower this chair or maybe sit high sit okay let me change the camera angle there we go oh my gosh she's so cute oh man 
Yes, my wife just had a baby and she looks amazing. I'm out of breath. Oh, she is so cute. She is the cutest thing I've ever seen. And her eyes are wide open, guys. And we have super bright lights. And her eyes are wide open. Look at that. Bye, YouTube. Love you guys. Join the streams. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.